Hello and welcome to Critical Weep Theory. Today's episode is split into five distinct parts that can be listened to in any order at your leisure. Kind of like an open world podcast, if you will. Haha, haha, yes. Um, all the timestamps for each part will be in the description of wherever you're listening to this. Part one is all about Boshi Durak, and there are mild spoilers for some of the recent episodes, but nothing that would ruin your viewing. Uh, the second part's about Pokemon. Um, if you want to go in absolutely blind to the latest Pokemon games, I would skip this, but otherwise the spoilers are pretty vague and mild, and we, there's not any story uh, spoilers whatsoever. Um, the third part is about Legend of Galactic Heroes and a little bit about Star Wars, um, so if you want to go completely blind on those, uh, I'd skip it. Um, otherwise, again, they're mild. Uh, fourth one is about Chainsaw Man. Uh, there are no real spoilers, we keep it pretty vague. Um, and the last one's uh, Spy Family, which also no real spoilers there either, other than some discussion about what happens in the recent episodes. Um, other than that, uh, I hope you enjoy, I hope you enjoy this new format of like splitting the podcast down into smaller chunks. We think it'll be better for the long term, and yeah, enjoy. Um, before... Legend of Galactic Heroes, and thus before anime, um, I was before anime. Before it, yeah, because uh, it was like also one of the the first anime I watched when I got into the hobby. Right. Um, the hobby. The hobby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I got into the hobby, you know. <laughs> but like, uh, well, that's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, ah, that's cute. He thinks it's just a hobby. Oh. <laughs> Listen, um, people on the internet will get pissed at if you if you say anime is just a hobby. <laughs> it's a way of life. That's I guess that's fair. Before uh, I was watching anime, um, obviously like the new Star Wars movies came out, so I went a a bit through uh, a, a renewed Star Wars phase, right? Mm -hmm. um, because I was uh, pretty excited uh, that they're gonna make new movies, so I like rewatched all the old movies. I've also I rewatched never seen Wars. a Star Wars movie in my life. That's I, oh, uh, I have a lot of points of heresy, um, but this is one of them. Listen, I'll be honest. Star Wars is, like, not good. <laughs> I'll be real. <laughs> that shit's ass. One, two, two three, three okay, well, four, no, no. five. I refuse to engage. I refuse to engage in this. The joke is that we're sitting next to each other this time, and so the click is completely unnecessary. It's true. It's fun when audio is uh, uh, synced automatically by the uh, power, by the magic. Of recording on the same microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I will not give you your customary hellos. You've already been said to. That was my joke. <laughs> um, how are y'all doing? Let us know in the comments. Feed our engagement system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And while you're there, like, be... comment, subscribe. Feed my ego. Feed it. Feed it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and while you're there, uh, be sure to purchase our new like coin. Um, it's available for free by clicking the thumbs up button. That's and great. then you have it. We finally made a cryptocurrency that's worth something. <laughs> okay. By essentially uh, making it the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, we have a currency I that feel like means that's better though. It's like we're not running any sort of scam. Yeah um, It's a currency that means whatever you want it to me uh, We receive your likes and you receive a 1 minute 30 second intro. That's not going anywhere. What are we doing today? Um, we're doing 
A variety episode. Woo! Um, I have campaigned extensively to call this Critical Weeb Theory's four-course meal. The reason being our last episode, which was really good, by the way, and you should all listen to it, uh-huh. um, had a lengthy diatribe about food. Um, and I feel like making more food references is the way we can go to grow our channel and grow our content and our community. Uh, yeah, I think it's good for the brand, to be honest. <laughs> it's good for the brand to talk about food. <laughs> Basically, originally we were going to talk about one thing, but then we realized we wanted to talk about more than one thing. Uh-huh. And then we realized that none of these ideas are like super complicated. Um, so let's start by talking about one of the idea. Hey, Mo, have you heard about the new hit anime, Bochu the Rock? I have heard about the new hit anime. People won't Bochu stop talking to you about Bochu the Rock. Well, it's it's actually a little more subtle than that. Um, basically, my quote beef unquote with Bochu the Rock. While I was I was working really hard on this Chainsaw Man thing, I wanted to make it like interesting. I wanted it to be like you know new person friendly, and I worked on it. And when I started it, Chainsaw Man was all the rage, right? Everyone was like, Chainsaw Man, Chainsaw Man, oh my gosh, it's the, it's, it's coming out. Like, is it good? Is it bad? Is the 3D and stuff like that? I was like, hell yeah, this is going to be a hell of an episode. And then I finished, well, as I was finishing the Chainsaw Man episode, suddenly I noticed people stopped talking about Chainsaw Man. And everyone was talking about socially anxious girl with the guitar. They're like, oh yeah, you know, the real anime of the season is, is Boshi to Rock, right? And I was like, Boshi to after I spent all this time, <laughs> after I spent all this effort, my quote unquote beef with Bochi the Rock is very different. Um, I don't know if this clashes with my brand as a person. I feel like I've developed this brand as like, perhaps arrogantly as this like wide and accepting person. I'm just a hater. They're a hater. Like, I- <laughs> it's true. I hate a lot of things that a lot of other... Like, last time, I talked about the fact that my dislike of Ranking of Kings is probably the hottest take I have. Like, I never liked that show. Um, and that's probably, like, the hottest take I have. But also up there, I don't like Spy Family. Um, it's a sacrilegious, by the way. <laughs> I hope you realize that. <laughs> I, I hope you I realize accept. that. I have... I have uh, maybe we could actually make that a f- the fifth course if we want to. It's like the optional. Oh, I, I, uh, I dessert. feel like okay. okay. Dessert. Spy family uh, is dessert. We'll, we'll we'll do spy family as a dessert because I feel like if we bury the lead on how much we fucking love Bochy the Rock anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. People are people have already left. They've already left the angry comment. Excuse me. How dare you? I used to like this podcast. I was a respectable listener. Okay. And listen, then I noticed. Here's what I'm saying. If you drop this podcast because you think we don't like Bochi the Rock, that's totally fair. Like, it's absolutely all right to Yeah, that, that that intro was, we, we buried the lead. I walked into Bochi the Rock like I walk into most shows people tell me I should watch and that I'm expecting it to be okay. And then I walked out of Bochi the Rock being like, this is my favorite thing since Sunny Boy. What the fuck is going on here? Listen, if you know anything about Ragu and Sunny Boy, you know that's that's uh, that's 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 hard praise to get. That's Sunny hard praise Boy to get. Sunny Boy is my okay. favorite thing. Like um, the Crunchyroll Awards or whatever? <laughs> doesn't matter. Ragu saying that your show is as good as Sunny Boy. Well, no. There we go. Um, but, my fa- but my thing is, um, Bochi the Rock is another show in a long, in a new and popular genre of shows called Help, One of Our Main Characters Has Terrible, Horrific Social Anxiety. Uh-huh. And let me tell you, people are eating this shit up. 
What's that new manga in Shonen Jump? That's the one. That. The one that you were like, I don't know, understand why it's popular, and then it revealed that the protagonist had social anxiety, and you were yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, understand why it's popular. That one, Okamis. It's like dragon something. Keep talking, I'll find it. So anyway, um, the other day we we're walking around the streets, and it was nice and chilly. I don't know how people feel about the weather. But my feeling about the weather is... So I live in a place where it's relatively warm compared to where Mo's living right now. Mm -hmm. um, and I just like it when the weather is like a certain level of chilly. Masaoki Shindo. Masaoki Shindo. Ruri Torago. Yeah. So we were talking about that. Anyway, this has all been like a very roundabout way of saying uh, manga with protagonists who have social anxiety are increasingly popular. Mm -hmm. and people eat them up for a good reason because i think a lot of like the intersection of has really bad social anxiety and is a fan of anime is it's not completely overlapping but it's, it's not a circle um, but it's not not a it's circle. not a circle in the same way that technically the earth isn't a sphere right <laughs> technically there there's bumps right but it's a circle. Let's be let's be real. Uh, so physicists anyway, approximate it as a circle to do calculations, and that's all you need to so know. So anyway, there have been there has been a deluge of these types of shows that people have been recommending to me periodically, and I haven't liked most of them for different reasons. I'm not really gonna get into it. Yeah. Um. But I was sort of expecting this to really function in more or less the same way, but um, then Bochi the Rock happened. And Bochi the Rocked all over the place. Bochi said, it's rocking time. And then Bochi the Rocked all over the place. We're, we just got to the episode where uh, Nijika <laughs> tells Bochi that she's Bochi the Rock. And we can't get over it. Okay. Listen. So so if you think that's a clever joke, it's not when you've said it ten times today. Yeah, yeah, that's all we've been saying. We've just been saying We've just been like, I can't believe Bochi just Bochi the rocked all over the place. Followed by truly this is the anime of all time. Anyway, I love this show. It's great. One of it's great for a whole lot of reasons. One of the great reasons why it's great is that Bochi is like a character. Oh, like yeah. she's she's a character with like needs, wants, personality. She's not just socially anxious, and worse, she's not just socially anxious so that a male protagonist can save her from her social anxiety and date her. Well, it's kind of it gets away with uh, it, it gets away with like a lot of problems that other shows uh, suffer from just by being like cute girls doing things and thus having no male characters whatsoever. Um, this is how I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that that's like necessarily like the reason it functions. Well, I think it's a byproduct. It's not like the reason why, but like maybe by not having a dude. I guess my maybe, thing is maybe what I would say mm -hmm. to follow from what you're saying is it works because it's not directly a straight romance. Oh yeah, that's specifically we, we were talking the thing that allows it to work. We were talking about how uh, Nijika is basically. Uh, basically, a manic, a manic pixie, pixie dream girl. She's yeah. not basically a manic. No, she is. That's yeah. that's that's her. That's but it her helps role that she also has her own character. Yeah, and her she has own, her own aspirations yeah, outside she of has her own dreams, right? Even if at the beginning she doesn't she's exist. Sort of like, 
She doesn't exist just to like whisk Boshi off her feet. Deus like, Ex Nijika. Lamau. <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, anyway, so that's another like fantastic. Uh, wait, just on that point, but like it helps that like since Boshi isn't a dude, it helps like a lot. Right. Mm. Like it it just uh uh I'll be honest, some tropes are just worse when there's a guy and a girl versus two girls. It's because be it's because a lot of straight heteronormative tropes are like mm-hmm. Not are specifically great. gendered, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And they're not. They tend to like. Um, what am I trying to say? Or they're reductive. That's the word. Reductive. There we go. Mm-hmm. You heard mm-hmm. it. Now we're now we're bringing fancy words into the podcast. Huh? That's not that. Fancy. <laughs> um, other things that I think really make Bochi the Rock work. The animation is like really fucking inspired. We're definitely not the first people to hear to it, say this. It didn't. You have will have to, heard this somewhere else. It didn't have to be. It goes hard. Feel it's, free to screenshot It's incredible, this and every single, like... It's a thing I like. I've been talking about, like, the animation quality of Bochi the Rock a bit for a couple of reasons. One, I really... I'm drawn to this. I, I love reading manga a lot because I feel like manga gets to do a lot of interesting things with paneling mm. a lot of the time and, like, frame composition. And I feel like um, within anime discourse to some degree um good animation is defined as having sakuga which is having these really fluid really like um detailed animation scenes right and i'm not going to be here and say that that's not good animation because it is mm-hmm. and it's really creative but i feel like also available is the incredible absurdity of um just using fully the medium of animation to be very expressive about emotional ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, The other anime that I think does this really well is Sunny Boy, which I hear is because the animation director for Bochi the Rock also worked on some of the best episodes of Sunny Boy. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, But I think that like um, one of the reasons why Bochi the Rock's animation is so good is because the animation direction is very creative and very inspired. Mm It gets um, a lot of very mon- a, a lot of like relatively innocuous lines really get the oomph they need by by leaning into the absurdity of the animation to express these complex social anxiety moments when Bochi is having a fucking breakdown. I think so. I sort of skimmed some of the manga, um, and the manga is obviously it's like not bad because like Bushi Rock is like a fundamentally like good story. It's well written. Yeah, it's That's well one written. of its strengths. Yeah. Um, but a potential flaw with the manga is that when is that a lot? There's a lot of Bochi just like having mental breakdowns, um, yeah. and that can get like a little repetitive. If it's just like, okay, and here, Bochi has another mental breakdown. Depending on right? how you animate. I think the manga so, works because it's as punchy as it is. Yeah, yeah. The, the manga's punchy, so it sort of gets that. But if you were just to animate it straight, like one-to-one, it would get really old really fast. And I think they kind of recognize that, right? So what they did is they said, okay, if a lot of the story is going to be Bochi having a mental breakdown, <laughs> like, yeah, like, there are some funny faces in the panel, but like... <laughs> Uh, in the manga but if the anime is going to have that then we we can do two things we can sort of like cut that and like skip it so it doesn't get too repetitive or we can just go balls to the wall with it right and make it just like 
some of the most creative and interesting parts of the show. And they went with the latter. And I think it's it's like for the best, right? Mm-hmm. I've also described it on several instances. Of, you were actually talking to me about low MS Paint anime openings, which I think is actually yeah. really relevant to this conversation, mm-hmm. funnily enough. Um, but I've been describing in some ways some of the moments in Bochi the Rock are what I would call high effort, low effort, which mm. is to say it's low effort, but it's a lot of effort to make the low effort stuff look good. Right. Um, like there are all of these jokes about, oh, they literally used a low poly unity model or <laughs> they cut to stock footage. We have a running joke. <laughs> the running joke <laughs> is every, that I need these Stock footage of dams. Sir, this is the animation department. I don't care. I need it Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, apparently, from what I've read on Twitter, that's that's sort of how it went. Like, um, there's a scene of, like, Bochi just, like, incredibly low poly, just, like, flying into, like, a stack of blocks and knocking them over. And you can see, like, the, the unity axis. So it kind of looks like they literally made the scene in unity didn't even render it they just played the animation and they they screen recorded unity playing the animation they put that in the show right and apparently at least from what i've read on twitter um the animator who did that was given the animation direction and all it was was <laughs> bochi becomes low poly and knocks over a block and he looked at it and he said i have no idea what the hell this is? I. What do you want me to do? And, and and they did not clarify, so we just did that, and they're like perfect, and they stuck it in the show, and, and it's a, great. It and works. It's great. And um, apparently, a lot of the scenes are like that. There's there the there's so much mixed media stuff going on. Yeah. Um. Uh. That really just works. Um. It reminds me of. But that's I think like what's going on is mm-hmm. that like that moment where Bochi turns low poly and slams into a bunch of blocks. Mm. Like, obviously, that's not, quote-unquote, high effort. It's not Sakuga. It's, like, low polygon. But the way that's used, Mm. it takes a lot of, like, thought to, like, put that together and compose the scene, and it fucking works. And just the bravery of recognizing that that would be fucking funny. (laughs) Like, uh, to be honest, sometimes... The bravery of cutting to, like... Two solid minutes of just Two solid footage minutes. of dabs. Of footage of dabs. Instead of just animating vomit. Like, it's just, it's dabs. That's great. Yeah, it's like, it's really, we are talking so much about the animation. Like, the whole show is absolutely hilarious. The great part about Bochi the Rock is, um, in a way, it pushes back against Bochi's, like, loneliness in the sense of she has built up this persecution complex around her own self-image yeah about no one likes me everyone fucking hates me and let me say first mood (laughs) that's not a bad bad record bad (laughs) bonk it's okay guys i bonked them (laughs) um and so uh that's a thing um and so that's like the gut visceral instinct um, but then the show goes out of its way to show one, people like like her. She has like charisma about her. Yeah, like she's she's literally fine. Like she thinks she's ugly, she's not. She thinks she's uninteresting, she's not. She thinks everyone hates her. I guess so if I were to take this on a tangent just a little bit, 
Um, I have tangent. Tang- in my anime podcast. Tangent. Is the, this is the only time that CWT has ever gone on a tangent. Tangent. Every other <laughs> in this economy. CWT is famous for being on topic and and completely planned all of the time. Okay. So, uh, like Rock said, I I I the um, deluge of anime about uh, people who have social anxiety as like the whole reason uh, has not gone has not gone unnoticed by me. I I notice it. I see it. And to be honest, a lot of it kind of annoys me. Yeah. Uh, for I uh, for a lot of reasons. I'll try to keep it brief. But like a big reason is that like, I mean, I've been. Not I've been. Like, I am socially anxious, right? Oh, yeah. I, I don't like talking to people. I'm a little bit better at it. But, like, especially, like, when I was in high school and, like, undergrad, like, I hated talking to new people, right? And I would walk around and I would see people talk talk to each other and stuff like that. And I'd be like, like, oh, you know, that can never be me. Would you uh, believe, blah, 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 this and that. Would you believe that the two of us became friends because we were both socially anxious and we had a socially anxious mutual friend? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That, that is true. <laughs> that is that is what happened. We we didn't even we didn't even beat each other. You only adopted the loneliness. We were. <laughs> Listen, you have to understand uh, the ability to write um, a light novel about isekai light novels can only come if you have no friends and no bitches. Okay, we'll so I am I am the king of being uh, socially anxious and not talking to people. Okay. Absolutely. Um, that <laughs> you didn't have to say that as that. <laughs> Listen, I'm right up there with you. <laughs> that being said, in order to be that introverted, you have to be a self-centered asshole. There, there's, for example, there are scenes in Boshi Rock where Boshi will be like, "Oh well, like nobody's coming to talk to me. They're all just talking to each other, right?" And the thing that I realize is that, like. Yeah, you're not uh, special. Okay, let, let, it, if you're okay, if you're socially anxious, right, and you think that like nobody ever wants to talk to you, I want I want you to sit down and think. Think about the last time you saw someone in public that you thought was really cool. Either they're attractive or they're talking about something that you were talking about, and blah blah blah. And think about why you didn't talk to them. Either oh, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to do this and this and that. You really think that you're the only person on all of planet Earth that looks at people that you want to talk to and then decides, I actually, like, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I'm bothering them. You really think, out of, out of everyone, everybody else is just talking to people and you're the only one. You're the only one that's concerned that you may bother them. Really? A lot really? That's what try, you think? A lot of people try to uh, be considerate of people. And here's a hot take. Mm-hmm. Some people don't want to be bothered. It's true. So it's, it's not even... It's, so it's not even, like... Uh, wrong of you to consider that oh maybe I might be bothering them it's just like other people are doing that to you too mm-hmm. other people are looking at you and they're being like I think about it a lot with mm-hmm. regards to romance anime yeah um especially stuff like rent a girlfriend mm-hmm. where there's this compelling idea of I want a girlfriend but I'm way too fucking scared to put myself on a dating app and or ask people out. Mm. So I really hope a girlfriend just falls out of the sky and starts to love me. Right. This is like that, but for friends. Yeah. And and so the, the idea is that like, you would not, ne- if you saw someone else that was just sitting alone and looking miserable all the time, you would not go out of your way to talk to them. So why the fuck 
are you expecting every single person to do that for you if you will not do that to other people for other people yeah. right though it, like there it, I, i'm not crazy there, there there's like an inherent amount of just being self-obsessed right so that's the last thing one and then and the other thing is uh that i uh, that bochi does that i also think is relevant um is that even though she wants a lot of friends uh she also has this weird amount of pride in how much of a loner she is right um she will meet people who are also uh, lonely and who also don't have many friends. But then as soon as, they, as soon as she learns that their loneliness is not exactly the same as hers, she'll be like, oh, well, that person's not really lonely. They're not lonely like me. I'm more lonely than them. I could never, ever relate to them because I'm just so much more hardcore lonely than her. She right? doesn't take pride in the direct sense, but there's yeah, still definitely there, this feeling indirectly. of like... That at least my loneliness gives me loneliness street cred, right? <laughs> no. um, and, I, and I honestly believe that a lot of people are like that, right? Like, you, you can't say that, uh, like, for example, if you don't like parties, like, I don't like parties. You can't say that, like, you've looked at people going to parties and having fun and been like, huh, at least I'm not, like, irresponsible like that. I'm better. At least I'm quiet. I'm an intellectual. I like to stay inside and read books. I'm not an extrovert. I'm an in, I'm just a little introvert being. You're annoying. You're annoying. That's what you are. You're. That's why no one wants to talk to you. Okay. Listen, I don't think your past self is watching this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. 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 But you get what I mean. And and uh, I guess the whole point of this tangent is that like I do like how the show recognizes that this is just like unhealthy behavior, and it and it points it out in a way. Like I like how uh, Nijika, for example. Like, she meets Bochi. She does give Bochi a chance, and she is nice to her. But she's also, like, when Bochi acts in, in ways that are, like, inconvenient to her, she'll be like, damn, this chick's weird. I guess maybe what I'm trying to get at, or what I feel, is that mm. Bochi the Rock feels like it is about loneliness without either using the character's loneliness as a form of projection mm -hmm. and self-valorization. Yeah. It is very much about Bochi overcoming her loneliness and dealing with her her anxiety and yeah. like growing as a person. And it's also not about loneliness as a thing for some external force to cure for their own benefit. Yes. It is about Bochi herself growing as a person, mm. not about how someone else coming in to solve Bochi's problems helps them. Right. I guess, uh, and then like, again, in contrast to Rent a Girlfriend, where like, the okay. whole thing is like, if I rent a girlfriend, then I'll become a better person. And Absolutely. I talked. I talked rent, about why that's not rent true. A girlfriend the rent a girlfriend is rent a girlfriend is a great exa great counter example of because Kazuya is another character who is cripplingly lonely, but his loneliness, even as the show says, it's tr him trying to get over his loneliness. The show is very much invested in essentially valorizing his toxic perspective, right, and being like that. His life literally would be better if a girlfriend fell out of the sky for him. Mm -hmm. Also, it helps that Bochi has, like, likable character traits, including but not limited to being fucking amazing at the guitar. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, like, the last thing is just, like, I think the thing that really encapsulates this is, like, the fact that even though Bochi is amazingly talented and she basically taught her, she self-taught, she practiced for six hours a day, every day, uh, from middle school to high school. And so she basically, she's basically a genius at playing the guitar, right? Uh, but because she's incapable of connecting with other people, she still sucks 
Well, right, because she, she struggles to connect with other people. She's not incapable. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Well, the whole point she, is about yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got to get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she struggles to connect with other people, yeah, yeah. and because of that, um, she still sucks. Because as it turns out, when you play in a band, you need to do something uh, called keep tempo, and to keep tempo, you need to be actually like connected with other people. If there's a drum playing behind you, you need to listen to the drum, and you need to you need to play. You need to match uh, your on beats, right? With Another, the drum. and she can't do that. Because she's never like yeah. you know, she's never really th- taken the time to yeah. uh, to learn how to interact with people in general, right? Also, as someone who's done spoken word poetry sometimes, and mm-hmm. who's also like you know, uh, an underrated, under talked about aspect of any sort of performance is just confidence. Yeah. Because if you look at an audience and you falter, you will fuck up. Even if you have the technical skill to do it, the mind game, mm-hmm. the mental fortitude to be like, I know this, I can do this is another thing the show really talks about um, and is really interested in engaging with of like almost always when you do something live, it's worse than when you do it on your own in your bedroom because you face all of that additional pressure. And if in the moment you're like, oh no, what if I fuck up? Mm -hmm. You fuck up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a bunch of jazz quotes that ultimately uh, boil down to it's not the wrong note if you play it confidently enough Mm -hmm. and that's the truth of any sort of performance is that you just kind of gotta like play like you know what you're doing and give off the impression that you know what you're doing and enjoy it because if you give off the impression of i don't know even if you're like really cool you will either fumble or you will give off a bad vibe yeah you'll give off bad vibes yeah uh i i guess like what i like about it is just tying the fact that she needs to sort of get over herself and like open up a little to others to the fact that she wants she needs to also improve at her music making and on uh, ensemble playing right uh like connecting these two things together basically sets the show on her trajectory to actually really be that show about lonely people who self-improve yeah. Unlike so many fucking manga and anime that I've read and watched that are about lonely people, but like, don't do this. Yeah. Okay. That uh, Bochi's great. Go. And we go haven't watch even it. gotten go. to the fact that all of the other characters are also amazing. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, Rio. Rio's my role model. <laughs> Rio's my role model. I, I I think I have something. I have this oh, screenshot. I, while we're while we're here, I have a thing to say about Kitaura. Um, I okay. think a lot of works are just really bad at writing nice people, mm-hmm. and it's refreshing to see a nice person who's likable. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. When's the last time we had one of these? Yeah, like nice <laughs> characters that are actually likable is sort of it's sort of nuts how people can't do that, <laughs> considering that people kind of. like nice people. Right. Like, what, <laughs> how are you fucking this up? How? <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Rio just because like ninety percent of the things she just says are more or less just for vibes. Like the fact that she will just like say bullshit just because it's like funny and like not care. Like that that's me. That's me. That's me on Twitter especially. Or <laughs> so yeah. Um, that's that's Bochy the Rock. If yeah. you aren't watching it, um, give it a, give it a shot. Give, give it, it a shot. shot. Let us throw ourselves onto the pile of voices that are also asking you to watch it. Uh-huh. Um, show's fantastic. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Meal number two. I'm holding course, up three things. Course number two. Course two, true, true, true. It's a four true. course. Okay, it's one meal, one but it's meal. several courses. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is the next course. Okay. And guess what? You're going back to school for this course because hey. it's Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. 
Transition. Discourse. Transition. Woo! Okay. By the time this anime comes out, I mean, oh, by the time this episode comes out, will I have finished Scarlet and Violet? Maybe. I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and like uh, push, stream, finish, whatever. I think the interesting thing about Pokemon, like as uh, as a franchise, right, is that it's so like immensely popular that people sort of treat it like it exists on its own, uh, unrelated to other things. Oh, people almost talk about Pokemon as if it's like not a video game, but just like a separate category of thing called Pokemon that Which has is, its own rules. To be and fair, like, mm -hmm. there is justification for this because you can, you really can at this point really get the full Pokemon experience without ever playing one of the mainline games. That's true. But I, I do think it's interesting because uh, when you do that, I think you lose like a lot of like context, right? Mm -hmm. And you lose a lot of like, by disallowing yourself to compare Pokemon to other things, uh, you lose your ability, I think, to understand it. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like, about Pokemon, but like from the perspective of it just being like another piece of media, like just being like another video game. Uh, for those that don't know, like, the key thing about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, so Pokemon in general, as a franchise, all the mainline series games have more or less been a pretty simple, turn-based, uh, monster-catching, linear RPGs, right? Yep. Uh, you start in a town, you get a Pokemon for free that's either fire, water, or grass, and there's a character called a rival that either picks the starter stronger to you or weaker to you in later gens, uh, just to teach you, like, tight matchups, right? Then you get a device of sorts, of sorts to encourage you to catch as many Pokemon as possible. Uh, and uh, you go to towns and cities uh, that usually have quests to do or that have uh, bosses called gym leaders. Um, and you collect, you beat all the gym leaders, you uh, uh, go to all the towns, you do the plot, catch all the Pokemon in the routes between the cities and towns, and then you beat the final boss and you win. Every Pokemon game has been like this, right? Um, for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, they're like, you know what? We're going to do something different. We're going to make the game open world, they said. People and have been they asking did. for this. Yes, they've been asking for it for a long time. Uh, so the last mainline series games, which were Sword and Shield, they had an open area where, where they were testing a lot of the technology for the open world, but it wasn't open world. It was still linear. Uh, and then they released uh, Legends Arceus, which I think was also open world. Um, but it wasn't really a mainline series. There was not the battle system in it was weird and non-standard. Uh, and then they finally released this game. The line uh, is that because the open world is a first for Pokemon, this is like a big step forward because they're finally doing something different for Pokemon. And I think this is this is true. But having played the game, or I guess I haven't finished it, but like I, I haven't finished it at time of recording, but I'll probably be done by the time this comes out, right? So having played the game, I'm super, I'm actually kind of skeptical. Why am I skeptical? Let, let's just like take a step back and like talk about like why, what, do, what does a game being open world do exactly uh, versus a game being linear, right? A game being truly open world essentially means that you can do any of the elements in the game at any order. You get plopped onto a map and you can go anywhere on the map and you can do anything. I think uh, uh, GTA, I think three was like the first game that really did this super well. Uh, recent games, uh, Cyberpunk is like this, Breath of the Wild is like this. It's sort of like game industry standard at this point, right? If you want to make a real game for real gamers with lots and lots of content, uh, you make an open world game, you make, an, you make an interesting world, and you put down a bunch of different quests for the players to do, right? 
uh, and Pokemon, as I mentioned, is linear, right? Uh, it's very much go do this thing and then go do the next thing and then go do the next thing, right? Uh, and so what they did is they tried to sort of like merge the concepts, right? It, it is true that the game is uh, open world, um, but also there's still gym leaders and there's still a story and there's still like a there's still like a plot. And there's um, still a fixed scaling order. Yeah, there's still like a there's still like an order to optimally do things if you don't want to like get your ass kicked and have to grind. Um, but they won't tell you that order uh, because it's open world, and telling you the order of things would uh, go against it being open world, right? Because because ultimately they still want to like tell a story and stuff like that. And so my argument is that if you look at like poke uh, if you look at Scarlet and Violet as like a video game and not just like another Pokemon game, um, n- nothing about the game being open world, in my opinion, makes the game better. I don't think the games ba- I I think the games are pretty good, but like everything that's good about them has nothing to do with the fact that it's open world whatsoever. Yeah, I tried to complete the the tasks that they gave me in an order that kind of made sense, right? I didn't really want to like walk a huge way along the map, right? So I'm just like, okay, this event is next to this event, right? So if I do this event and then this event, I should be in the right level, right? No, no, right? I was either frequently too low and then I had to employ next level competitive strats to win, or I was much too high and then I just uh, stopped things. And so uh, the the common response is that, oh, that's just because they didn't implement like level scaling, right? If they had implemented level scaling, so level scaling is basically like all the bosses, uh, the strength of the enemy bosses match your current yeah. party, right? And so the idea is that like, if they had implemented level scaling, then that would have been fine. I would have been the right level uh, for any boss at any time. But that actually doesn't fix the problem because all that does is it, it actually makes the opposite problem, which is... There is no advantage to choosing any one path over any other path. Yeah. Right? It just makes it so that it, it like doesn't matter what you do. It also doesn't scale the wild encounter. Yeah. Unless you really true. want like wild Pokemon to like randomly get strong. Which like games have done. They've done games that. have had basically like once you've beaten X number of bosses, event occurs and then everything gets strong. Like you can't there are ways to do it, but it's like not intuitive. Right. Actually, have a real quick thought on level scaling while we're here. Yeah, sure. I've been thinking about it for a bit. Um, games have been doing the, you're supposed to be able to oh, tell yeah, you're just... not supposed to go this way by the fact that the enemies here are significantly stronger than the enemies elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been doing that forever. And I can't help but feel like that's not working. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, when playing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, encountered a boss that was like 20 levels higher than them. And their response to encountering that boss was, I guess I got to grind to beat it and not maybe I should look for another thing of lower level. Mm -hmm. One reason I think this is, is because the game doesn't tell you the rough level of each location. Yeah. So maybe if it told you the rough level of each location, it could be, oh, I stumbled onto something high level, but I see something low level over there. So I know where to go. Mm -hmm. When it's, I've stumbled onto something high level and I literally don't know where everything is. They don't. They lack direction. Right. Another thing, though, is that it kills the self-determined pacing mm-hmm. to find that oh, the goal you came to solve, you can't solve it. Go do something else. Right. Um, and come back here later. I would argue um, that like a big reason why players didn't do the thing that they were supposed to do when they saw something much higher level than them and leave is because it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to 
the, the map is like kind of hard to navigate because yeah. you actually can't tell like elevations on the map. So when you're walking around, you can't tell if like the brown line on the map is like a little cliff you can jump over or if it's like a massive drop that will stop you, right? So you will go all the way from point A to point B. You will go halfway across the map to find something. And then you'll get there just to realize that, oh, I'm actually not supposed to be here. Like, you're not going to go all the way back. Like, even if you can fly, that feel that feels sucky. What you're going to do, like you're going to... It feels like you wasted a whole bunch yeah. of time to reach somewhere where you're not actually able to progress. So compared to the feeling of, I guess I have to go wandering again, the idea of, I guess I'll just grind it out and clear it, is it just feels better i hear elden ring also i remember hearing about elden ring discourse um elden oh, yeah. ring had a very similar problem where if you head the wrong way from the tutorial starting point you run into a boss that's way too high for your starting level mm. and players are quote supposed to realize that they're not able to fight it and do something else but a lot of players when they see something like we have been conditioned by games that the solution to every problem is grinding right so when you're faced with a problem that cannot easily be resolved, it's not maybe I should go somewhere else. It's fuck me, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting constraint and thought about on open world design. There's probably like a whole game design PhD in there about why this happens and how to resolve this. And I'm not going to be so arrogant as to be like, I but you see. I know how to solve this problem. Mm. But I just think it's an interesting thing to note about the way these new Pokemon games work. Because one of the complaints I've seen very commonly about Scarlet and Violet is a lot of people were like, yeah, I tackled this gym too early and then I was over-leveled for the other gym. Like, it's yeah. very common. Yeah, and, I, I have that complaint. I did that. And it's really interesting beyond just saying, oh, they should level scale, which mm. we've talked about. that Maybe that works. Maybe that's just a shallow solution. The question of how do we actually guide players through this world in an intuitive way? Mm -hmm. There is there are there is like a story. Um, I, there there's like two, right? There's the three, uh, right? Well, well, there's three, but like I don't really count battling gym leaders as a story. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so I I don't I, like I want to say this in a way that makes sense to someone who has no idea what the fuck a Pokemon is and calls all of them Pikachu. <laughs> So, <laughs> stop singing the ship D. <laughs> um, so there's these uh, two different stories. One's about a bunch of kids who are bullied at school, so they form a gang. Uh, it's less violent than it sounds. Um, <laughs> and the other one's about this guy uh, who's uh, trying to find uh, magic herbs to make his dog feel better. Right. Um, and the magic herbs to make the dog feel better is... Uh, it's a little bit better because the way it works is every time you beat one of the bosses, you go to this location and the location pretty much looks the same. So you can do a different cutscene depending on how many like herbs, herbs you've got, you right? Yeah. So like the story uh, that progresses story progresses normally. I will say, um, while we're here, when I had first heard of Scarlet and Violet and these three stories, mm. I had assumed that everything would work this way. Mm. Basically, you have three paths, so you can fully do the Titan quest, mm. and then you do all of the gyms in order, and then you do the star bases in order. Mm. But after you do the first two star bases, then you can tackle the first. That's how I yeah. assumed it would work. Yeah, but you can just like do any event at any time that you want. Um, so, but the the other one, the uh, the 
the bully kids one, like the, the weirdo kids. It's like, there are five different events, but since you can do them in any order, um, what happens is you beat them and then you get a flashback, right? And the flashback has to be written in such a way that the previous flashback cannot lead into the next flashback because each flashback is about a different character. Um, and basically the flashbacks can't lead into each other, right? Because the game doesn't know in which order you're handling it. Right. And so because of that, even though the story is like, it's pretty good, it would simply be better if it was allowed to be events that are structured, right? Like if, if you were allowed to build like themes and character motivations because you knew which order the player would trigger these stories, like it would just be better, right? So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm left with this game, right? I'm left with this game that's like confusing and frustrating to navigate because the game refuses to tell me where to go because it values me choosing which order to do things over just making a game that's properly paced. I am bad at pacing my own adventure because I don't know what thing comes after which other thing. I think it's right. worth noting that the reason early Pokemon games have these like three different routes in a lot of cases, like Evil Team plus Gym Leader plus mm. other thing, um, is because the different storylines break each other up to keep oh, yeah. the adventure from becoming too monotonous. Because you can imagine if it was just defeat all eight gym leaders in a go and then do all of the uh, like evil team stuff in a go, that it gets it can end up feeling pretty monotonous. Mm -hmm. So having different types of narrative beats to break up the flow keeps the game interesting. Right. But the problem is when you like take off all the reins, right? I'm gonna do it in a way that's like suboptimal because I did not design the game. I am simply playing it. I right. think, yeah, and I've been arguing that I think there is this idea of, like, um, maybe doing, like, divergent, uh, diverge-converge paths, so basically mm -hmm. you can do A, B, and C in any order, but then after you've done them all, everything goes to D, and then maybe it diverges again later on, but basically, again, having this branching path where you can do some things in any order, but at least having, like, a general structure mm -hmm. leading through them, I feel like that's generally useful. Right. So I guess like my the my thing is that like I have this game. Uh the pacing is bad, not because it couldn't be good, but simply because I've been left in charge to pace my own game and I'm bad at it, right? The story is okay, but it would be better if it was in order, right? Uh is the game challenging? Sometimes uh when I challenge the wrong thing, and when I challenge the wrong thing after challenging the wrong thing again, uh half of it is easy, right? Uh, so the, I guess the, the one point in favor of uh, open world games, right, is that at least the exploration is good, right? Um, but I'm not even convinced a game needs to be open world to incentivize exploration, right? My, uh, my favorite Pokemon games are the first games I played. Uh, I played Pokemon Pearl first, so that's my favorite. Uh, Sumi. Um, that, that was never, that, uh, by the way, okay, tangent. That, until, like, last year, that was not a hot take, right? It's a hot take now, but it was not a hot take, basically, from, from, from the moment Pokemon Pro released, up until 2021, when people didn't like the, the fucking remix. Um, 
it was not a hot take to say that, oh yeah, Diamond and Pearl were like good games. But now, now everyone's like, oh, well actually, as an intellectual, I understand that Gen 4 had problems. Every fucking game has problems. It, it, we'll, do, we'll do Gen 5 one day, and, and we'll go over all the problems with the black and white head. Mo's uh, on tilt! <laughs> I'm on tilt. I'm on tilt. I'm upset. I'm upset because now they're coming after games that I like, and they should go after games that other people like. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah. I like Pokemon Pearl. One day people will realize that Pokemon Black and White are literally nothing but problems. They're 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 not great. That's not <laughs> that's not true. Okay, let's plasma. We'll, we'll we'll do that another time. Oh yeah, right. But the thing that I really liked about Diamond and Pearl um, is that they actually encourage exploration quite well because the the entire uh, thing with those two games is the region that they're set in, uh, called the Sinnoh region. It's got this big mountain running through the middle. And, like, everything about these games revolves around a mountain. Both your uh, exploration to different places, um, it's all in relation to where you are uh, regarding this mountain. Um, there's a species of Pokemon called Shellos and Gastrodon that literally look different depending on which side of the mountain you are, you're on, right? Um, a lot of the routes that are difficult to navigate are difficult to navigate because you are crossing a mountain range, right? Um, the story ends with you climbing to the top of this mountain and finding an ancient pillar, uh, blah, 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 creators of the universe, blah, 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 right? Um, there's uh, the legend about how uh, the entire region was started in this mountain, right? And the way the games encourage uh, exploration, this is more so than their uh, enhanced counterpart, Pokemon Platinum, which is much more linear than Diamond and Pearl. And I think that's... It, I, Pokemon Platinum is really great, I'm, don't get me wrong, but I think that's like... In this case, it's in this a case, it's a point against it because there's not as much room, wiggle room to like run around. Yeah, like a, a thing that Diamond Pearl do is that you are, for most places, you are rarely visiting them once. You usually always have to come back, right? Um, just thinking about it, uh, the first city you go to is called Jubilife City, uh, and then you go to get your first gym badge at a place called Orberg City which is a mining town because it's at the foot of a mountain, right? And then to get the second gym, you can't go up to the, to the next gym town. So you have to go back through Jubilife City and come back, right? And when you're in Jubilife City, you, you, you actually have some options. You can try and go north um, and you can try and go east. If you try and go north, you'll find trainers to fight you and they'll be at your level. Um, but, you won't but you'll quickly realize that you can't cross because there's, uh, there's like a rock blocking your path that you can't break yet. Um, and if you go west, you'll quickly realize that you can't cross because uh, there's water that you can't cross. But if you go north, you'll get items and new Pokemon that you wouldn't get otherwise. And if you go west, you'll get a fishing rod that you wouldn't get otherwise, right? And so really early on, the game sort of tells you, even though there's a place you're supposed to go, if you go somewhere you're not supposed to go, that's okay. And if you talk to those people, we'll, and you'll, you'll, still get, you'll still get rewarded for that, right? Um, and as you uh, continually come back to these places, uh, new places open up as you are allowed to explore more of the map. And as you're allowed to explore more of the map, uh, you'll find new things, right? And because the actual region is interesting and like coherent the entire way through, from like the Pokemon that they choose to be in this game and all that stuff, because everything's like so like focused, it's really, really a pleasure to like explore, right? Oh, yeah. And it doesn't have to be open world you don't have to ruin the pacing by letting me choose where to go don't I, don't trust me <laughs> i'm bad at it right so like you can do exploration 
I, I would argue that uh, the Pokemon games have done exploration just fine. Uh, Diamond and Pearl are not the only games that do exploration well. I just use I them because they're Gen my favorite. 3. Gen 3 is really good at this too. I lo- that's my... So so this is the fun part where I get to say, ah, my favorite Pokemon game is also the first game I ever played, uh-huh. which is Pokemon Emerald. And since people liked Ores, you don't have to deal with that being a hot take. Well, so. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. I didn't even know this until recently. Um, it seems that Rayquaza is the number one most popular legendary. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're right. I... What can I say? They're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we have these this game that has all these things that are like annoying that I feel like wouldn't be annoying if they just like gave me a place to go every time I finished something so that the events could lead into the other events and so that they could like weave in like they're supposed to instead of just, I guess I feel like every time I finish something in Pokemon Scarlet, it's just like dead air, right? Yeah. I just like, I, I beat uh, one of the Titans that I forgot to go to earlier. So it was way too easy for me. And I got the ability to swim, and I jumped in the water, and then it was just, like, dead, right? Like, the momentum of the game stopped, right? Because I have to open the map, and I have to pick where to go, right? So we have a game that, like, honestly, the more I think about it, at every turn, the fact that it is open world just makes it worse. And then, and then, you, and then you get to the bugs, right? I thought I would not, because I'm not someone, I'm not, like, a hardcore gamer. I'm not, I'm not a gamer, okay? I'm not... Uh, I play I play little things like I play Slate Aspire, I play Undertale, I play Pokemon, but like I'm not like you know like getting like the max specs on my PC so that I can play Elden Ring at 60 FPS, right? That's not me. So when people said, oh, you know the frame rates and the bugs and this and that, I thought it would not bother me, but it does. Not really for the frame rate. I don't. I I can't tell if a if a game is like slowing down or not. The main thing that I care about is that the game uh, looks fucking ugly. It looks disgusting. Okay, there are parts of the game, <laughs> I'll be honest, there are parts of this game that I boot up and I look at it and I'm like, this looks like something vomited on my, on my tiny poor Switch light, right? I know people did not like uh, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, and they did not like the way they looked. But at least when I look at Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, they look nice because they're imitating Diamond and Pearl, which also look nice. I look at these games, I, I, I was showing Ragma, there's this place, it's, a, it's in, on paper, it's supposed to be a beautiful place. It's, it's got these like big cliffs with like rocks everywhere and you're like facing the sea in one direction you're facing this giant mountain in another and you're about to enter a, a, a cave it's on the way to the to the psychic gym place right and on paper it's supposed to look like i can feel myself there i can feel myself there it's supposed to look wonderful in practice i look at it uh and the rock textures look gross uh there's like popping everywhere the water is like too bright everything just like looks bad right and i think like why does it look bad is it just because game freak is lazy do they not care do they uh do they hate the fans um and i think about like sword and shield like the previous games that came before this those games looked good except for the wild area that looked ugly because it was like technologically difficult to do Right. And so this game, they were like, you know what we should do? We should make the whole game the wild area. <laughs> the whole game should be that way because it's open world now. So the whole game looks like the wild area and the whole game looks ugly. <laughs> so I just feel like if they just made a normal Pokemon game, it would look good. It would play good. And the only complaint that people would have is that it's similar to the last games, which were also fine. They were fine. They were good. Bob's on tilt. I'm on tilt. If they just like, just, uh, so the the whole, I guess the whole thing 
the whole thing is that uh, the TLDR, I guess, that I have is that if you look at Pokemon as Pokemon, I think it's easy to say that, like, oh, all the new Pokemon games are like the last Pokemon games. Therefore, Pokemon is stagnating and not innovating fast enough. And I'm not against innovation. I'm not against doing new things. I'm not against taking risks. Um, but what I am saying is that there is a reason why the Pokemon games change so little. And it's because they are good. As video games, as JRPG experiences, they are good games. Right? They're pretty, There's good. A, they're, they're pretty good. Like, like they're, and they're, they're not perfect. Blah, blah, blah. They have, they have interesting problems for interesting reasons, which we yeah. might save for our next variety episode. Yeah. But they're like, it's be, so I guess the thing is, is that the reason why they don't change is not simply because, it's not because Game Freak is lazy. It's because there's a lot of benefit to the way the games are. And if you want to change them, you have to actually like think about it before changing it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Right? Yeah. Um, and so Pokemon becoming, I think, open world, I guess, puts it in line with your Elden Rings, your Breath of the Wilds, your Cyberpunks, and all that stuff. It, it meets a standard, right? It meets, okay, it's more like what gamers expect from a AAA type, right? But it's like... The game itself is so from the, from the perspective is of not like, better. Yeah, from the perspective of a Pokemon game, I guess it's better because it makes because it's new for Pokemon. But if More you just look are. at it at, in in terms of it like being just like a video game and like how effective is this video game as a piece of media, it's like worse in like every conceivable way because it the the format of Pokemon does not benefit from being open world. No. That, that okay that that's the rip <laughs> yeah um there are more conversations we could have about scarlet and violet mm -hmm. um i think my big hot take about pokemon games are basically the idea of pokemon is basically street fighter and a lot of its problems come from the fact that it doesn't want to acknowledge that it's street fighter mm -hmm. um which is a great conversation to have but we should maybe move on to the next point because okay. we have like two more, and oh, we goodness. are an hour in. Uh, yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be. We good. really anticipated that. Ah, uh, you know, we have four points. Will we really make it? Like, nah. Uh, <laughs> <okay. laughs> we're, <laughs> we're gonna do just fine. Okay. Uh, you know what I've been thinking about lately? Course number three. Legend of the Clock Two Kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, so let's talk about it. If you do not know what Legend of the Galactic Heroes is, Google is your friend. I can't be bothered. We're just going to um, talk. It's, it's an anime. It's a really popular anime. It's an anime that, perhaps unfairly, perhaps fairly, has garnered some... A reputation of being the anime of the snobs. Yeah. Um, for a long time, the way you showed you were a, quote, anime intellectual, unquote was by saying that my favorite anime isn't like your anime. I like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's a classic. It's still really good. The original OVA is 104 episodes long. I think it's actually 110. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, we made it, uh, Mo and I, uh, that watching Legend of the Galactic Heroes, I think, was the first thing we watched together, was it? Um, yeah, I think as soon as we, we discovered it before Black Lagoon, right? Yeah, yeah. Like as soon as we discovered that we can watch anime together through Discord. Yeah, uh, we we're like, okay, Legend of Galactic Heroes. Let's yeah, go. we we started. So this was we've had a long history. We made it through fifty-two episodes, mm -hmm. and then like two years went by. Yeah. Um. And so, if you don't know, Legend of the Galactic Heroes is getting remade in the new thesis. Mm -hmm. Um. 
which is, you know, a remake. It looks really good. Yeah, I like it. Some people are like, uh, they look like Yaoi characters. That's what I read. Someone uh, said they didn't like it because it, it looks too Yaoi. I mean, whatever, right? I mean, <laughs> it's the greatest. People are allowed to be wrong. It's the greatest gay romance in the space universe. That's true. Um, <laughs> uh, but um so yeah we so we were like okay well we for like about two years mo and i with each other were like oh we should really finish legend of the galactic heroes and we did it mm-hmm. um but now we were like fuck it and so we slowly we were like okay we want to restart um mm-hmm. because i had totally forgotten everything because you know two years yeah. um and so we've been rewatching through the new thesis to which we haven't gotten as far as we got in the original but mm-hmm. it's always good to like um get through it i think their uh first opening for the new thesis binary star is incredible Mm -hmm. um and i think the second opening for it is not nearly as good as binary star which means it's bad Um, (laughs) fair fair i guess if i had a a a tldr on why i like legend of galactic heroes so much um before legend of galactic heroes and thus before anime um i was before anime before it yeah because uh, it was like also one of the the first anime i watched when i got into the hobby right. um the hobby the hobby yeah <laughs> <laughs> when i got into the hobby you know <laughs> but like uh oh, that's not what i was gonna say i was gonna say ah that's cute he thinks it's just a hobby oh. <laughs> Listen, um, people on the internet will get pissed at if you if you say anime is just a hobby. <laughs> it's a way of life. That's I guess that's fair. Before uh, I was watching anime, um, obviously like the new Star Wars movies came out, so I went a a bit through uh, a, a renewed Star Wars phase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was uh, pretty excited uh, that they're gonna make new movies, so I like rewatched all the old movies. I've also I never seen Wars. a Star Wars movie in my life. That's I, oh, uh, I have a lot of points of heresy, um, but this is one of them. Listen, I'll be honest. Star Wars is, like, not good. <laughs> I'll be real. That shit's ass. It, it fucking All sucks. Right. All um, right. All right. <laughs> you do not need to watch Star Wars. Great. Um, we're, just, we're just racking up we're the just, hot Yeah, days. we're racking up the hot takes. All right, let's keep going. But, okay. So, but I guess, like, my... This podcast was almost called The Hot Take. Oh yeah, we're, this was pretty close. It was, it was, it was, it was in the running. It was in the running. It was not a good one. There's a reason why we went with critical weed theory. <laughs> it's fine. Um, That's the reason. Back up even more. Uh, plot of Star Wars. The original Star Wars is uh, basically there is a war uh, in the stars. That's why it's called that. Uh, there's a war between a galactic empire run by an evil space wizard um, and a. Uh, Rebellion. When uh, the creator George Lucas in, uh, originally imagined it, he imagined uh, the empire basically as the United States, and the rebellion basically as Vietnam. Right. And uh, by the end, uh, the uh, rebellion topples the empire. They restore democracy. Blah blah blah. And then there are prequels about how the uh, empire uh, rose and fell. Um, people hated the prequels. Uh, the The internet thing to say is that the prequels were not that bad. And I was uh, on that train for a while. And then I rewatched clips from the prequel. Um, and they were so goddamn terrible. Like, I did not remember how bad it was. I, I, like, I was watching, like, the, the best prequel movie is Revenge of the Sith, which is the third one. And I was rewatching clips from this. And I'm like, wow, this sucks. Um, <laughs> but the idea is good. And the idea is to show how uh, liberal democracy can quickly become fascism. That's, like, the whole, that's the whole point of the prequels. Right. 
Um, and then we have the sequels, and the sequels are about nothing uh, because they're the worst of they're the worst of the three trilogies. They're they're made by Disney. <laughs> they're made by Disney. That that's all you need to know about them. And what really bothered me about the sequels um, is that they took so a big point of contention of the prequels is that there's too much politics and not enough laser pew pew. People didn't really like appreciate the politics, and I, I will say it in the in their defense. One reason why they did not appreciate the politics is because the movies were bad, and they made the politics look super boring. Right. But the thing that Disney got out of that was, okay, we'll just not make politics, right? So in the, uh, in the, first, uh, in the first of the sequels, uh, there's this or new organization called the First Order, which is just the Empire again. And there's, a new order, uh, there's this new organization, the Resistance, uh, which is just uh, the Rebellion again. But the problem is that at the end of the last movie, they reestablished the Republic, right? So the resistance is not like a minority. It's it's a majority, right? It's it's the hegemonic power, right? Right? Because because the 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 empire runs the galaxy. The first order and the minority. So you can't do the same dynamic. But they try to do the same dynamic, right? And they're like, how do we do the same dynamic? Um, we'll just have the first order blow up the seat of political power uh, for the resistance for the uh, uh, the new republic. So they blow up the capital building of the not the building the capital planets of the new republic. And you would think that this is a big deal, right? The seat of political power of democracy has just been erased, right? Uh, the movie does nothing with this because uh, they don't care. They're just, they just want a reason to make the, make the, the thing go back to make the way the it was. people the underdogs again. Right. And then in the second movie, there's a whole thing. I, I'm not going to recap the whole thing. But basically, the second movie tries to do politics, and it's also incredibly shallow. And then the third movie, because people didn't like the second movie, and Nazis, uh, okay, there was a whole thing with Nazis, and they hated the movie because there were too many black people. Um, <laughs> and the third movie happened, and because they hated the, the second movie, they didn't build on anything that the second movie did. Um, and they also got rid of all of the political and ideological implications of the second movie, and the third movie is just, it's just even worse than the other two. So, back to Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Everything that I want Star that I wanted Star Wars to be, right? It has the cool pew pew space fights, um, but it also has like coherent things to say about like the political organization of the galaxy when the pew pew space fights happen, right? So it has characters that you're invested in, just like Star Wars, right? And it has um, and it has like you know cool spaceships and battles and stuff like that, uh, but it's also like the battles mean something because when a battle wins or loses you'll see which political faction gained or lost from that thing right usually everyone loses usually everyone loses because it's war and, and the show is the, important. but the prime minister at the back who oh yeah the corrupt prime minister uh wins and it's great like if you liked if you liked the last jedi because you think the canto bite scene is good just watch Legends of the Galactic Heroes and you realize the Canto Bite scene is dog shit. <laughs> you will realize it. I promise you. I promise you. Um, um, let's, let's get into the show itself, though. As I've declared my love for Legends of the Galactic Heroes, I've gotten DMs. I've actually gotten DMs to this effect. The people being like, I see you like Legends of the Galactic Heroes. But as an anime socialist, have you considered that Legends of the Galactic Heroes is not actually very socialist? It's actually kind of liberal, have you especially with the teams? ending. I have. They're right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're right. That's, that's what I was going to say, right? Well, they're I absolutely thought true. you were going to like go into like an explanation of like what it is beyond just space few few fights. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Um, so l let's actually like dig into that, right? Why do people say it's liberal and why do we agree with it? Um, essentially, so the show is very interested in history, right? 
the the original writer because uh the show is so old that it's not even like light novel right it's an actual novel that was written that yeah. has been adapted into it right like 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 a book remember those i feel so old <laughs> remember books you don't read those nowadays do you kids actually um, they do i'm sorry kids sorry children in the audience i know you read books the original author was very very interested in history and you can tell that they study history a lot um and you can tell that like for example they studied the rise of fascism in germany and the uh main evil empire in legend galactic heroes uh the Empire, um, is basically a eugenicist, like, uh, Nazi-esque empire, right? Everyone's, everyone in that, everyone in this uh, space empire is white. They all have German names. There are allusions to the fact that, like, uh, there were laws that purged uh, people with disabilities. No, no, no. They, they, they said that. that. Yeah, they said, they, they state openly that there were laws in the past that purge people with disabilities, so on and so forth. Uh, and you look at the uh, the Free Planets Alliance, which is the, uh, the the resistance, the rebellion in this case. Kinda. Uh, kinda. They're basically... They're, uh, they're a competing state. Yeah, they're a competing state. The Empire considers that they basically control the entire universe, and the Free Planets Alliance are just, re are just rebels. And the Free Planets Alliance considers themselves a proper state. Uh, yeah. fighting tr trying to topple the uh, a proper successor yeah to, yeah to the galactic empire right uh and so the the free planets alliance their population i will i will say my criticism is that like the actual diversity of the main cast is a little bit suffer is a little lacking but you can tell even like from the background characters they're way more like non-white non-blonde non-blue-eyed people in this country because all of the people who were being persecuted by the Empire fled, and they created the successor state, right? Um, and the show really wants to talk about, like, the rise and fall of, like, different political movements. It wants to ask questions like, uh, is liberal democracy s uh, sustainable? Uh, is dictatorship okay if the dictator is, like, really nice and does good things? So it wants to ask all these questions. So, and they're all, like, rooted in history. Yeah. And because uh, socialism and Marxism as a tradition... Um, is rooted in historical materialism. They both like study history very closely, so they both hit on a lot of the same beats. Yeah. Right. Um, the problem, which I think Rago will get into, is that uh, yeah. Legend of Galactic Heroes really is very skeptical about revolution as a solution to uh, broken systems. I think so. Um, one of the things that really helps, uh, uh, fucking. Legends of Galactic Heroes work out is because it's it establishes this idea of like ah you know if there's a good dictator that's not necessarily a good thing because the successor to a good dictator could still be a bad dictator right right you're putting a whole lot of faith in the fact that this good dictator will remain good for the entirety of their tenure mm. um and it puts a lot of stake in this idea of only pure um determined uh self-determination by the people can be truly liberatory. But then it stumbles upon this truth that, hey, we've noticed a lot of liberal democracies have a tendency of being taken over by corrupt capitalist bastards mm -hmm. and resort devolving down to fascism. Mm -hmm. And the hallmark of the fact that Legend of the Galactic Heroes is a liberal show is the only thing you can say to that is, well, I guess that happens. Yeah. When uh, Mo and I, as mm. socialists and as we've developed into socialists, would argue that the answer is that liberal democracies are not true democracies. That's why you have this problem. Right. Because the people do not truly have a say when capitalism holds the ultimate marbles. Right. Right. And so that's like, and the fact that 
it's difficult to say a single thing about Legend of the Galactic Heroes is like, this is why it's a liberal show. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's not able to engage with this idea of maybe true democracy is impossible under liberal states and that's why they all inevitably fail and succumb to fascism mm -hmm. is big part of why the show doesn't have any concrete answers in a lot of ways. Questions like, how do we make a system better? Mm -hmm. What about a system that allowed a fucking corrupt, murderous asshole to gain control? What about a system that only ever craves war, right? Mm. Like, how do we resolve any of these? And A Legend of the Galactic Heroes, because it's not revolutionary, can only ever shrug its shoulders and say, but at least it's better than fascism, right? Yeah, it doesn't know, it can't know. Like, uh, in the... In the conception oh, of the show. That's right. another... You finish what you're saying. Sure. But in the conception of the show, there are basically two systems. There is liberal democracy, which is amidst, is corrupt, uh, prone to falling to fascism, um, and in general, not a good representation of the will of the people. Um, and there's fascism. And the show argues that at least liberal democracy isn't fascism. It agrees that it sucks for all the reason that a Marxist would say that it sucks. But it's unable to conceptualize an alternative. It, yeah, it, it, that's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. That's the second part. It's one thing to say capitalism sucks, but when your options are, oh, I can I only vote Democrat or Republican, those are my two options. Yeah. You end up basically going, oh, I guess I have to pick this one. Right? Mm -hmm. You don't have a strong, coherent argument as to like why other options might be possible. Developing from that, which I think is really important and really interesting, mm. is this idea that um, Legend of the Galactic Heroes is also way in on that great man theory. Oh, yeah. All stories... So here's my thing, right? I want to be very clear about what great man theory really is. All stories, by definition, are about characters, right? That's just the sort of thing we want to talk about. And so telling a story that centers around some characters to talk about a broader idea, that's not great man theory. I want to dispel that um, delusion right away or uh, dispel that misconception right away, right? right? Being like, this is the story talking about like revolution, but there are characters in it and protagonist. Like that's not, that's not what the word great man theory means. Mm. What I would say it means is when Yang fucking Wen Li is the guy who is solely and almost single-handedly capable hmm. of solving all of the alliance problems and he's so good and so central that like everything hinges on him yeah that's great man theory right the fact that legend of the galactic heroes basically hinges on these two great generals on either side reinhardt and yang wenli mm -hmm is hugely problematic to the show's attempts to really be about any sort of populist movement because ultimately it ends up really feeling like, in microcosm, a chess game between two smart people mm. rather than thousands of millennia of like social and political forces moving around. Right. And, and to be fair, the chess games are super fun. Oh, yeah. They're very fun. One of the reasons the show is still, like, enjoyable and good is because, like, there's a lot of drama and intrigue in the political... Right. Um, but it's... The the only issue is that uh, because the show isn't just... It's not just, like... Like, it's not a sports anime, right? Legend of the Galactic Heroes as a sports anime is sort of an interesting idea. But it's not a sports anime. It's a, it's a story that is supposed to be talking about, like the waves of history and like uh 
big political forces and how how we make movements that change the course of history, right? You it can't just come down to like the forty chess match of like Yang Wenli like trapping uh, Reinhard von Lohengram into like a into like a military trap and like uh, getting him at the star zone and like be like it can't be that, right? Yeah, it can be some of that because that was fun, but it can't boil down to that. Yeah, that's the thing. So that's the Legend of the Galactic Heroes take. Obviously, Mo and I haven't finished finished yet, and we're still watching it. But we're still watching it. It's we're... interesting enough that you know maybe you'll find it a little bit appetizing. Do you think Denji is a snack? Do I think Denji is a snack? It sounds like we're on <laughs> course four. I'm saying this so I can like find it in the timestamps, by the way. <laughs> but okay. Oh yeah, one. we could have been noting this down the whole time, but we are professionals and professionals. You know, All right, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Is Denji a snack? I I think he's cute. He's a cute boy. That was course four. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Course five. Okay. Uh, four. Um. So, uh, Chainsaw Man has continued to be an anime, uh, which is nice. I hear there are people who are anime only yes. and haven't read the manga. Yes. So what, what we've noticed um, is every once in a while, an anime only who is uh, not caught up with the manga and who is just watching the anime will point out scenes between specifically Makima and Denji. And they'll, they'll point out these scenes and they'll be like, oh, Makima and Denji look kind of cute together. And look at her. She's so jealous. Yeah. They'll see like Makima's possessiveness over Denji. And they'll be like, "Wow, she's 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 kind of she's kind of jelly, haha!" Someone someone else is taking her man, and all of the quotes used will be like, "You fucking idiot! You you absolute buffoon! You complete and utter incompetent moron! Don't you know? Don't you know that later in the manga, Makima is actually evil? Don't you know that? Shame on you!" Reading comprehension My favorite one is the reading Chainsaw Man fans when they face up against the reading comprehension devil. That's wonderful. I, I will uh, assume that people have a working knowledge of Chainsaw Man just because uh, I have a video on it. Uh, you should go watch that. Um, if you don't have a working knowledge of Chainsaw Man, please stay. This is a really interesting point. It's still interesting. This is my favorite point. Um, but I guess like if you if you don't have a working knowledge of Chainsaw Man, it's fine. Just like there's a character who's a villain who sort of maybe seems like she could be good, but she's actually bad. Yeah. Um, and part of it is be is because she flirts with uh, uh, romantically and sexually our main character. There's right? a lot of things. To yeah, go for it. There's a lot of things. Um, but I do think it's interesting. So in, in my video, I argued that like from the beginning, it is very clear that Makima, uh, the villain is not a good person. Yeah. It is very clear that she is uh, manipulative and abusive. And in fact, trying to like hide this fact and play coy is like not the way to go with the adaptation. I think the way to go is not to be like super, oh, warning, warning, evil, 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 but like it, it doesn't need to be a surprise. And right? I feel like the adaptation does do this. And this is mm -hmm. the thing I've been arguing and the thing that I find really interesting is I think it's easy to think to see that mm -hmm. and to see how a lot of anime only people are like confused and to be like, is Chainsaw Man trying to trick you into thinking that Makima is good? Yeah. And I think the answer is very definitively no. Yes. Makima is uh, an abusive, controlling person from the beginning, mm -hmm. and she ends the manga with no spoilers as to how that ends. Mm -hmm. As an abusive, controlling person. Right. 
But what's interesting, and what I've been thinking about ever since Mo showed me these tweets, mm. is this idea of, like, I, I can understand why someone would think it's just a cute relationship, because the number of anime where there's an obsessive controlling person and that obsessive controlling manipulative behavior is romanticized is extremely high. It's... I think girlfriend is the one that I'm thinking of, but if yeah. you just scroll through like any manga website, the oh bow, I'm being chased by the obsessive lead uh, is incredibly common. There are so many of these. It, it's like and if especially if you look at anime marketed towards incels, like the number oh, yeah. of things oh, yeah. where like the protagonist's obsession and manipulative tendencies are seen as good or and, cute, or the worst of all true love yeah like i stalked you because i okay this is red's girlfriend again i stalked you because actually deep down i really care about you and want to protect you yeah and so what i the idea i've been nursing that i'm in love with is this idea of it's not that chainsaw man conditioned people to see makima as a healthy romantic interest because she's definitely a romantic interest mm. that's a big part the fact that makima is hot hot is a big part of chainsaw man mm -hmm. But it's not that a lot of Chainsaw Man itself conditioned people to see Makima as a healthy romantic interest. It's that anime conditioned people to see Makima as a healthy romantic interest. Yes. And I'm not saying, I want to be very clear, I'm not saying that anime conditioned people to see those same traits in real people mm -hmm. as healthy necessarily. Um, it's hard to argue that media has no influence over people's perceptions of the real world, but it's definitely not true. Like It's not like one-to-one, -one, basically. Fetish and like kink are like a wide thing, and people can enjoy things as a fetish and not want those things to happen in like real material scenarios, yeah. right? Listen, you can want a dummy mommy and also not want to be abused. Like, yeah, that's that's a thing. Like that's why it sounds funny, but it, it but it's serious. That's why like they're like again. This is not the place to get into proper kink protocol, but that's why it's like there's like points where the where like the sexualization and the kink part starts and parts where it ends yeah. and parts surrounding that. That's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And in media around kink, you usually get rid of the parts that are at the, sometimes you get rid of the parts at the start and the end because you understand that it starts and ends when you start experiencing the work and it ends when you stop experiencing the work. Right. So like the diegetic start and end isn't as necessary. This is not the point. The mm. point is that you can read kinky shit without literally wanting that exact thing word for word replayed in your life. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that anyone who thinks that Makima is cute necessarily it thinks that abuse is cute. Mm. That's not what I'm saying. Great, I've covered all of my bases. Yeah, okay. What I am saying is but, that... But, but you have to realize that the one person typing that angry comment is going to be pretty upset now. They're already <laughs> angry at me for a dozen of other things I said. <laughs> so I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that I think it's really interesting. Um, I feel like this is intentional on Chainsaw Man's part. Because Chainsaw Man is in many ways a critique of power mm. and an exploration of how that affects people within mm -hmm. capitalism, right? And so taking this idea of here's a common trope that is romanticized in anime and being like, no, it's actually fucked this time mm -hmm. is what Chainsaw Man does. And it's not that Chainsaw Man hides the fact that Makima is manipulative as much as it doesn't ultimately come around to say, oh, but it's okay, she loved him all along. Mm -hmm. It ends by saying, 
No. She really was that bad. She yeah, really no, was that bad? No, this is serious. This is serious. She's a manipulator. That's part of why Chainsaw right. Man works. Mm. And again, to come back to the idea of Mahima being caught matters. Mm. Like, that's a big part of why it works. Because, I, I, as I also have been arguing, um, under capitalism, being exploited is fetishized. Oh, yeah. Um, and so you're trained to see exploiting yourself and subjecting yourself to humiliation in order to receive money and love as a good thing mm -hmm. um think about again like the number of shows marketed at incels where it's like you don't have to be lovable you just have to basically like subject yourself to humiliation and pay people lots of money and then right. people will love you mm -hmm. like that's or you have to exploit other people to get love right right and so again Nakima being hot is a big part of it right mm -hmm. like the whole point of her character is very literally that yeah something that i've been thinking about tangentially related is this idea of hard work i think hard work is a uh, capitalist scam uh, for okay hear me out um obviously i think that the process of working hard on something that you're proud of is not a bad thing this is obviously a good thing i work really hard on my essays i work really hard on this podcast i work really hard to to bring an experience that i think people that i think that i hope people enjoy right? I also don't think it's bad to take pride in your job, like your capitalist job, and work hard to it, right? I think that is uh, a good and normal thing to do, in right? In fact, one thing socialists will argue is that under capitalism, people are alienated from their labor and right. thus unable to really take true pride in their work because they're denied the full profits. Right, exactly, right? Yeah. So it's not the, the it's not like working hard on something that's a scam it's the idea of hard work that's a scam right and my my go-to example is this right we can imagine two two people uh working on or one person in two alternate timelines right per, uh person in timeline a works uh on a project for, for eight hours uh and they get stuck so they work on it for eight hours and they say you know what uh it's the end of the work day uh this is my nine to five it's 5 p.m I'm clocking out, I'm going home, I'm seeing my kids, I'm working on my hobbies, I'm going to bed at uh, 10 p.m., I'm waking up early, and we're going to uh, do this again tomorrow. And then tomorrow, they work another eight hours, uh, they're rested, they feel energetic, they figure out the problem, and then they solve it in, uh, they solve it in half the day, and then they take the rest of the day off, right? Um, and here's person two. Uh, person two, they're working on the same problem in, in timeline two, uh, and they work uh, 13 hours straight, uh, come home, uh, don't eat dinner, don't see their kids, they like, they, like microwave ramen, uh, they go to bed at 1 p.m., they wait till 6, and then they work another 13 hours straight, and they solve the problem uh, after another 13 hours, right? Um, and the uh, two versions of this person from the timeline talk to their coworkers next week. Um, and uh, from timeline one, the person gets told uh, that they're lazy. Because, oh, you just clock out at 8 p.m. Didn't you take the whole day off yesterday? You know, if you want to get ahead in this business, you really got to work more. And person two, and, and in timeline two, they get told, wow, you are such a hard worker. I, I think a promotion is in your future, right? Even though person one did better work in less time because they got sleep and they're not stressed. And person two, two did uh, less work 
in more amount of time. And it sucks because they did it on like a caffeine fueled like trance. And their wife hates it because, like, okay, that's uh, maybe a little cis-heteronormative. But, like, they're, they're strained for their family because they're at work all the time, right? And they're not, like, building the relationships that are necessary to be, like, mentally healthy, right? Being willing to work hard does not just mean taking pride in your work or going the extra mile to make sure that uh, uh, your work is the highest quality that it can be. Hard work under capitalism is just, like working yourself to an early grade. That's what it means. It's just allowing people to take advantage of you, right? And I think just like in the weird ways, like through uh, through actually, through like Makima's like sexuality and through like the plot of the story and through these like weird, like esoteric things that Chainsaw Man does, it like argues this point incredibly well. And I think that's just like a fascinating thing about Chainsaw Man. I think it's really interesting like the meta narrative around Chainsaw Man's perception. Mm-hmm. And I think just how people parse that is really interesting. Um, and again, like, I'm obviously not saying that anyone who ships Makima and Benji is inherently a bad person, Jesus fucking Christ. Mm-hmm. However, interesting that this happens. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that a lot of people see an obviously unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. and they their expectations from having seen a lot of anime is oh that's cute right that's interesting to me doing this in person with you is it, it brings a lot more energy out of we me. have a very <laughs> manic relationship we do we we i feel like we feed off each other <laughs> oh it's, and it's, it's limited wonderful. it is limited when we are not in person the number uh, of times i've messaged mo mm-hmm. um What's the weather like up there? <laughs> this person's a bully. Okay. I I I've been bullied this entire weekend. This whole weekend. I invite them into my home. I take them for pizza. I cook them food. And what do I get? How's the weather up there? Because I think this is the first time we've actually recorded side-by-side. Side. We've planned to record side-by-side side a bunch before, and it hasn't actually happened. Um, we've always ended up just, like, doing, like, Discord recording. But Let's get into the SpyX family. Yeah, that, that's where Spider. I was transitioning. We have time for dessert, even though we're a little bit we're a little bit tired. There's always room for dessert, um, and I have a whole lot of things I want to say about SpyX. First off, I don't, like, it's not the worst. I just don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can respect anyone who likes it, whatever, right? I think Spy X Family is really fucking fascinating to me because they they wrote the most cis heteronormative story ever, and they somehow got the gays on. <laughs> What's up with that? Listen, listen, I I was telling them, I was telling them, it's all. Um, I think Spy X Family is interesting for a couple of reasons. I wanted Spy X Family to be more serious than it was. And so I started reading the manga, and I was like, ooh, interesting. Tensions mimicking the Cold War. And then they didn't do anything with it, and I was like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) And then I moved on with my life, right? Because I'm not a fucking monster who needs to, like, put people down for enjoying something. Um, They're a hater, but they're a respectful hater. Oh, yeah. See, I'm going to be a hater for hot content and hot takes, but I'm not going to be a hater to, like, be mean to people for no good reason. (laughs) I literally I cannot be bothered. Truly, they are merciful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, every once in a while, people are like, "Let's rewatch, let's watch some Spy Family," and I do. And sometimes it's like very funny. 
Um, and other times there's like uh, five-year-olds getting sexualized and wearing revealing outfits. And I'm like, this that's is weird. weird. That's that, from the last episode. That was, <laughs> I don't know what that was about. I, I think about this because I think those moments are somewhat common. And I, I wonder how many people are just looking at that and going, that's weird. <laughs> So when we talk about video games, we talk about, like, core game loops, right? Like, the main thing that you sort of do uh, in the game. I'm very right? confused by the sound of Okay. Um, I, I promise it'll make sense. You got it. So similarly, I think with anime, uh, there's, like, I guess core watch loops or I guess core plot loops. Um, and so I think what's happening is that, like the, like, the core loop of Spy Family does not really include anything weird. The core loop is... The core uh, loop of Spy Family is aggressively inoffensive. Yeah, it's... Uh, you have Operation Strix, uh, which is uh, uh, an operation to get close to a diplomat in order to stop uh, these two countries from going to war, um, which is really just uh, a pretense for a hot spy and his hot wife and uh, their cute adopted child to basically play house, right? Yeah. Um, it, it never actually makes sense... The things that they need to do for operations, and it scripts. never has to, and it never has to because I it's think just this is interesting. It's just cute family moments, it's right? The, well, it's the rule of cool all over again, right? There's this constant idea of the rule of cool of mm. it doesn't matter how little sense it makes as long as it's fucking awesome, people will go with it, right? And in this case, it's the rule of cute, right? It yeah. doesn't matter how little sense it makes as long as it's cute, people will go along with it. Mm -hmm. And so, like when it's doing that, it's fine, but then sometimes. You'll just get like the incest brother, and that'll be the episode. And you're yep. like, I want this to stop. <laughs> I don't like you. Uh, go away. Um, uh, things about Spy Family that interest me. I think it's really interesting that Yor is not really allowed to be that proud of her own prowess as an assassin. Mm -hmm. um, from the latest episode, um, the moment that really stuck out to me is Yor going, Ah, but will Lloyd really love a brute like me? See, I have no problem with some, with a strong badass female character wanting to also be seen as beautiful. And Nobara, maybe, for yeah, Jujutsu there Kaisen. we go. Or wanting to like be acknowledged for her feminine, because that's cool. Like that's legitimate. Mm -hmm. But at, but to see her own strength as something unattractive and to uphold that cis heteronormative standard mm -hmm. of what quote unquote beauty means is a thing about Spy Family that does not mesh well with me. Because mm. Yor is simultaneously a cute assassin, and also everyone just wants her to be a housewife. Mm. And the story kind of wants her to do that, too. So, I, I really are, like the show. People might contest with me, me on mm. that point, and in response, I only have to say, yeah, maybe. I really like the show, um, though I think, I think your, your reading of it is fair. Um, I have a point of praise and then a point of criticism for it on this point. Um, I Ooh, do, how diplomatic. <laughs> I do, yeah, we're Somewhere. preserving peace between the East and the West, between the haters and the stands. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point of praise is that I do like how, I think it's okay, so I, I feel like there's an extreme version of what you're saying, is that the fact that uh, Yor can't cook, and the show, and she can't do any, like, she can't do a lot of, like, the traditionally female things. Um, there is an argument that uh, that I've heard. The fact that Yor can't really do anything um, is just proof that she's useless, and this is just another uh, story with a female character that's useless so that the man does everything. Right? I don't think that's true. Yeah, and I guess the, the thing that I disagree with is that 
as the show points out, um, Yor does a ton of emotional labor for Anya specifically, right? She she is that person that creates uh, the space where Anya wants to like go home, especially like as like an orphan child, right? She goes home and she feels like there's someone that takes care of her, right? There are so many parents. God knows there are so many parents that do everything except love their child. They cook, they clean, they send them to the best school. They do everything except sitting down and telling your kid, hey, I'm proud of you. And where do those kids end up? Fucking miserable, right? So the fact that Yor does that is important. It's not nothing. It's not she's useless and she's a bad mom. And, and the show will and praise also, her for that. Let's also be very clear. In mm-hmm. addition to that, she has a whole bunch of skills as a fucking assassin. That's true. That's true. And this like is... she's very good at the things that is her role. And, and this and is the fact that she's not good at spe- things specifically demanded of femininity was supposed to be the point. Right. That it shouldn't matter. <laughs> this is this is the point of criticism. This is the point of criticism <laughs> that I have with the show. My point of criticism is that while I do appreciate that it uh, praises Yor for doing that, I don't get why it can't also praise her for being strong. The fact that to me Yor can kick a moving car into a wall is cool. I love that about her. Yeah. Why doesn't the show love that about her? <laughs> that's that's my only question. That's my only that's my only concern. Like, why is the fact that like Yor can like throw a dodgeball into a tree and fell it? I think that's really cool. But like Anya just thinks it's weird and like Lloyd doesn't like bat an eye. Right? Like why? Like it's also cool. Like why why are these traits like cool it's on not Lloyd? Seen as a thing worthy of praise. Yeah. It, I want to be clear. They're cool it's not on like, Lloyd, it's but not like the weird sh- on Yeah. It's your. not like the show is like, oh, she shouldn't be doing this in yeah. that sense. Mm. But it's also like or right, because obviously she's a spy, that's part of her aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Or she's an she's assassin. She's an assassin. Rather. But it's also Thorn very princess. true that that's not something she is allowed to take ride in mm-hmm. that i will right again she's not allowed especially because of the core conceit of the show doesn't allow mm-hmm. um the characters to know the truth about each other yeah the fact that oh she's kicks so much ass is not allowed to be a thing lloyd finds attractive about her right throughout the show when that's arguably the most attractive part about her character. It's true. <laughs> it's, I mean, for me, it's true. Listen, yes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I guess the, 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 the side criticism to this is also there are tons and tons of scenes of Lloyd doing spy stuff and being cool. So even if Yor doesn't know that Lloyd is attractive for it, the audience can still be attracted to Lloyd doing spy stuff. Yeah. But we never see Yor do assassin things. We do. Like, I mean, very we, we occasionally. It's 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 the rate it's is the, much it's less. It's not frequent. the focus of her character. Yeah. The focus of her character is wow. It's kind of funny how cool she is at strong stuff and how mm-hmm. bad she is at woman stuff. Huh? Yeah. And let's I, focus on her getting better at this stuff. I guess the TLDR is that. There's sort of an assumption that the fact that there is a woman that's physically strong and can't cook is just in and of itself weird and funny. That's not really true. I mean, there are, there are plenty of women that are physically strong and also can't cook, right? So, yeah, that's the that's the spy family beatdown. Uh, I do believe that everyone should cook, though. Like, it, it, you, should, you should learn how to it's cook. It's a helpful can. life skill, mm-hmm. and especially in a world where everyone is increasingly atomized. Um, anything that helps you be self-sufficient and able to sustain yourself is useful. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, if you're a guy uh, and you're single, 
uh, listen, don't, not to, not to not not the anime Pikachu uh, giving you dating advice. However, um, it really helps if you can show your potential partner uh, that you are not incapable of feeding yourself. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> really I, I read these horror stories that they don't have to take care of you twenty four seven. Yeah. And that taking care of you will not become their other job is, I hear, extremely attractive. I read all these horror stories of people, they go on dates, they like the guy, and then it's like, they just eat like Twizzlers 24-7. And so now they have to do all the cooking and all the dishes and all the, like, just learn how to do basic life skills. It'll really help. Uh, okay. That's a positive note. That's a positive note. I feel like, you know, we've, we started by admonishing the kids for being losers who don't talk to people, but at the end, <laughs> we've given them advice. <laughs> so what have we learned today? What have we learned today? Um, I like the part where Bochi said, it's rocket time, <laughs> and then Bochi the rock all over the place. If you would like to make me feel the way Bochi the rock makes uh, the audience feel when she rocks all over the place, uh, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> That so even awful. if that's ironic, you're still saying anything. <laughs> that's so awful. All right, um, we're signing out. Yeah, peace. Uh, thanks for listening. Could you recap that very last point you just said? Um, Makima being hot is a big part of why her character works because mm -hmm. it's under capitalism right. you are training yourself to be exploited for money and love. Right, okay, I remember. Um, uh, okay, I'll leave myself time oh, right. to edit this. Hold on, hold but, on. Okay. Be before we come back in, let me just say, mm -hmm. Makima doesn't love Denji. She just wants his big chainsaw. God damn it. <laughs>